This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And we are discussing world religions today, and in particular, we are taking a look at Islam. And my guest is Hussein Paul Gohashim, and I probably got that wrong, but anyway. You did great, actually. I did great, okay. <laughs> and he is a current DTS student from Iran who became a believer after he came to the United States. And so he's going to help us uh, understand Islam on the one on the one hand, and also um, kind of his story about how he became a, a Christian on the other, and the nature of his ministry. He um, does a lot of translation work uh, of Christian materials uh, into into Farsi. Is that right? Correct. And uh, and so uh, so his ministry here, he's he's getting his training to equip him to to write uh, more. Um, Accurately and more deeply in terms of theologically of the stuff that he interacts with. Yes. So it's our pleasure to have you. Yeah, pleasure is mine. It's uh, a great opportunity to be here. Um, I had no idea one day I'm going to see the roundtable with you. So it's a great blessing. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So uh, uh, the first question I always ask almost every guest, no matter what the topic is. So how did you get here? Which actually is a very complicated question in your case. So talk about your your upbringing uh, before you came to the United States first, and then we'll go from there. Um, well, I'm born and raised in the city of Semnan, mm-hmm. uh, which is the northeast side of uh, Iran. Uh, born and raised in a Shia family. My parents, my mother and my father so both were shepherds. Mm-hmm. My father was shepherd and my mother said also they were shepherds. So raised and grew up in Iran, 1966, I born and then um, uh, Mr. Revolution, I was 13 years old, 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that that time, it was a time or a great change in our country mm-hmm. in 1979. So I was in the midst of all of the changes, mm-hmm. and then we immediately we started a war with Iraq. Mm. And um, then uh, is uh, I served in the military for 26 months as a National Guard, mm-hmm. so also served in war for 26 months. And then a confusion starts within my heart and soul to see the truth mm-hmm. about the everything, you know, about life, about who I am, why I'm here, and then... Uh, it was it was a for me it was a dark time hmm. uh, probably for many people in Iran it was hmm. a dark time back then and seeking for truth and finding the joy and peace a everlasting peace mm-hmm. and that was my that was my longing for for days and nights uh, so many things was happening in Iran uh, as far as the way the government changed immediately of the being a, try to be a Democrat, but immediately they apply the Sharia law in Iran, mm-hmm. in everywhere, mm-hmm. in, in Iran, basically. And then uh, then just reading some articles or books and teaching from Russian literatures, actually, mm-hmm. and um, from Europe that draw me to attention to see a different characteristic people in different culture of 
outside of my culture from Iran to mm-hmm. see there is something going on. I was reading Fyodor Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. Crime and Punishment. Mm-hmm. Then end of the book end with uh, with a love, an expectation to await, wait for you. Mm-hmm. And there is a love at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have love in our literature in Iran. Mm-hmm. But it's sought in poetry, mm-hmm. not in action, mm. not in love among the people. Mm. You know, there's something I saw differences between the cultural background mm-hmm. context. So, yeah. so you grew up in, in the in the Shia part of Islam. I want, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. We'll come back and pick up your story of your testimony. Let's talk about a little bit about a life as a Muslim, um, and that, and of course. Anyone who knows much about Islam at all knows that there are the five pillars of faith, uh, which um, which are central to uh, to the Muslim faith or to Islam. Uh, and then, so, talk a little bit about what it was like to grow up as a Muslim. You know, is uh, first of all, I'm going to just um, confess this one. I'm not a uh, kind of Muslim scholar. Uh-huh. I'm not. Yeah. But I lived. Uh-huh. Uh, in Islamic culture, Islamic mm-hmm. tradition, Islamic law mm-hmm. under Sharia law, and I take it you're yeah. you're you're more like the average Muslim, if I can say it that way, rather than a Muslim cleric. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah the Muslim uh, average Muslim in a Muslim family praying three times. I see my parents are praying. Uh, my father wasn't home mainly. I mean, he was, as I said, he was a shepherd. My mm-hmm. mother was praying. And uh, 1970, 1980, when Islamic government took over Iran, and then prayer, uh, a call for prayer from mm-hmm. the mosque, and uh, the Arabic word that was very interesting for me to mm-hmm. hear the Arabic sound. Mm-hmm. Confusion because I couldn't understand Arabic a word. Mm-hmm. Pick up a little bit here and there mm-hmm. because some some similarity in words. But always for me was a question about as Dr. Walking when I was 14 years old. What are they saying? Mm-hmm. What is this? Mm-hmm. I asked my mother one day. He was she was praying. I said, "Do you understand what you're saying?" She said, "No." I said, "So what are you saying?" She said, "Well, son, this is what they taught me. That's what I'm going doing doing." Mm-hmm. So, um, in in living on that environment. Um, is just not a religion. So we need to understand Islam is just not a religion. Mm-hmm. Is a political and is a government system. Mm-hmm. Is economic system. Mm-hmm. So it just we're not talking about just a religious like a Christianity. Yeah, uh, separation of church and state doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah, many people try to do that. In, yeah. Even Iran in back um, back 1960, mm-hmm. Dr. Modaris and uh, Ayatollah Khashoggi tried to fight over this one, but mm-hmm. Modaris come overcome that one. He said. There is no separation with the religion and state. Hmm. And that's true. And mm-hmm. that's the foundation in Islam. Hmm. So when we say I live in Islam, Islamic country is not just a religion. It's everything. Hmm. A concept in a school, mm-hmm. cons- uh, concept of uh, out there relationship with others, and uh, the uh, uh, obligated to go to the mosque. If you're not going to the mosque, you will be questioned by the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, they will point, pinpoint you if you are not involved with some of like Ramadan, if you're not fasting, if you're not doing a lot of rituals. Uh, so they are they're impacting your life. So mm-hmm. living, asking to a question, living under that environment, it was so much pressure. Mm. You, that wasn't you. Mm-hmm. You will be dictated to do this one and say this one, act like this mm-hmm. one, because everybody was watching you, basically. Mm-hmm. And even as a student, you couldn't talk or have a conversation outside of the Islamic conversation. You would be asked, you would go to the office, and you would be basically questioned why you have even this conversation. So everything was monitored, basically. Mm. 
everything was under the rule of the governing Islamic system. So hmm. it's just not the religion. So um, you know, Islam basically is a term is a uh, means submission, right? Correct. And, and so, uh, and the and the relationship to God is a God who's very very sovereign in in the way you think about Him, and the. Uh, and of course, the you know, there's one prophet, Muhammad. They don't they talk about Jesus Christ, but they don't talk right. about Jesus Christ in nearly the same terms that Christians do. Very, very different. Absolutely, yeah. And and, and so um, so I take it that this um, uh, there's the there's the prayer uh, is it five times a day. Five times a day. Uh, three and times a day. Three, three times morning, uh, noon, and afternoon. Uh-huh. Total, uh, total seventeen. Uh-huh. So three times they're praying, morning and afternoon, and afternoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then they have one month of prayer and uh, one month of fasting. In That's the month, Ramadan. Month Ramadan. And yeah. they have Shia holding the Muharram, uh-huh. uh, month of Muharram, Tasu and Ashura, the remembering of the uh, sons of Ali, Hussein, okay. which been martyred or been killed uh-huh. in Karbala fighting against the Muawiyahs. Uh-huh. That's around the month of the morning, which is in Iran, Shia country in Lebanon, in Iraq. Is a big, big uh, month for them. Okay, so everybody wearing and, black. And, and let's talk a little bit about the difference between Shia and Shiite. Okay, um, the, these are the two. Same, they're the same. Same thing. Yeah. Okay, um, uh, but aren't there? Isn't there more than one subgroup in they Islam? Have, they have. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. <laughs> when I'm, uh, as I said, I'm not yeah. a scholar, but yeah. I mean, I believe among them, I study uh, some stuff. So uh, interesting. Muslim accusing Christian. You guys have. So many denominations. Right, right. They have hundred denominations uh-huh. in Islam. You have Shia and Sunni, and under Shia you have Ahmadiyya, you uh-huh. have uh, Safavias, you have uh, four prophets, you have five. I mean, they have all kinds. So of the difference between Shia and Sunni—that's, I think, what I wanted to ask originally. What's the, what's the difference? It has to do with which line of succession, correct, from Muhammad you correct. you follow, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, if you know the history of Islam, when mm-hmm. Muhammad uh, suddenly dead, uh-huh. it caused a a big disturbance of who is going to take next uh-huh. of the leadership of the Ummah of Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ali, of course, was nephews, and he had already uh, Muhammad's uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we also we have Abu Bakr, Omar, and Usman. They were elderly. They were earlier than Ali came to believe Muhammad as a prophet. Uh-huh. So then Abu Bakr already gave his daughter to Muhammad, is Aisha, which is she was nine years old. Because it's not monogamous. Um, Islam is not monogamous. It's not. Yes. Uh, um, so so the, the, the different, with differentiating Shia and, uh, and Sunni mm-hmm. as the, the line, as you said, mm-hmm. line of this person who will carry out the calling of the prophecy of Muhammad as an ummah Islamic. So there are two slightly different traditions, basically, religious traditions. Would that be the way to think about well, it? Well, this it not really because uh-huh. the Quran is common to both sides. Okay. Book of Hadith uh-huh. is common to both sides. Okay. I mean, they have so much sim- source are same, uh-huh. function differently. I okay. mean, Shia believe. Um, well, Shia accusing Shia accusing the Sunnis, mm-hmm. they have the they they don't have a real Quran. Uh-huh. The Sunni claim we have a real Quran uh-huh. because Umar, one of the Khalifat, Umar, when they found out they've been Quran been written manuscripts by many people, and the, everybody says I have the Quran original text. Right, right. So he decided to 
collect all of the Quran and start burning all of them. Uh-huh. So he kept the original one in his own hand and he said, this is the original Quran. Shia believe that's not the original Quran what they have. Hmm. So they're confused about who has the original Quran. Uh-huh. Shia believes we have it and we have the Hadith and Sunni says now we have it. So both of the side accusing each other, not that what you're saying is in the original Quran. Right. The Shia accusing Sunni and the reverse and the same so thing. So there's slight differences between the Quran the- Qurans that they read? Of course. Then, yeah. So Shia says, according to Quran, which is original one, it comes to Ali as uh-huh. the next person who lead the Ummah or uh-huh. Islam. And then Sunni says, no, that's not the Quran. What we have, the Quran says, what we have in our hands. So, okay, <laughs> so there's a difference in the holy book yeah, that but is the, being pursued. Yeah, this is, you know, similarity between two sects is, that's what just you said, is, right. is uh, the power. I uh-huh. mean, the boats believe the Islam and and its church and basically mosque and state and power, political powers, unseparable. Mm-hmm. They are. The boat believe this one. The boat apply that. And there's one. a responsibility to submit to this power. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and so, um, so what you're saying is, is that it's not only religion. There's also a. Um, Nationalism is probably not the right term, but there is an identity that is social, political, ideological, Absolutely. as well as religious. It's been it's been a very day one. Yeah, it was. You know, is um, it's been. I'm saying it's from day one. When you go back and check the history of Islam, mm-hmm. in the very beginning, you see the conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I sometimes I'm joking around with some of my Muslims friends. They're saying, well, you guys caused the conflict in the Middle East. You guys, Western caused. I said, in sec- 700, mm-hmm. Islam is 700 right. AD, the fight and battle between Sh- uh, Shia and Sunnis, mm-hmm. Muawiyats and all of these Khalifats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back then, it wasn't British or wasn't UK. Mm-hmm. It wasn't US back then. That's right. The conflict with one between yourself because right. of power. Uh-huh. You know, is a system of the the way the governing the system. It was the very beginning and is a common to both sides. Hmm. And I said it in past, and I'm saying again, the Islam rule not only is it not just a religious system. Mm-hmm. It's a religious politics system and economy. They have all three of them. In the, their system, in the proposal. Now let's let's uh, let's step back a little bit, and then eventually we'll p- pick up your story. Um, one of the things that we've seen in almost all the religions that we have looked at, uh, so you know, I'm talking about Buddhism and Hinduism, etc., is that there is a spectrum of of approaches to the religion. So, uh, and we've already pointed this out in the difference between Shias and Sunnis, um, but there. So I take it that there are people who who represent a huge spectrum of approach to Islam, and in at least Western Turkey, which is a region of the world I'm familiar with, there are people who are Muslim, but they aren't, if I can use a description, strict Muslims, if I can say it that way. So when we're thinking about this spectrum of Muslims, so when and the reason I'm asking this question is, when you meet someone and they say, I'm a Muslim, there's actually quite an array of possibilities as to how they hold their religious belief. Is that is that fair? That that uh, well, yes and no. Okay. Because I I'm saying this one because the game, I think there is a confusion to understanding. I heard this argument yeah. many times. Um, we have radical Muslim, right. we have modern Muslim. Right. I don't believe this one. Hmm. I believe 
any Muslim around the world that submitted to one book and as a Quran, mm-hmm. that's a source of the understanding about Islam. And then also the book of Hadith. Mm-hmm. Both of this book is a fundamental to every single Muslim. Mm-hmm. I'm going to back to the source of the, their teaching. Mm-hmm. What you getting this water from? Mm-hmm. What is the spring you water? You know, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the source. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, the Islam in the Middle East, mm-hmm. the birthplace of Islam, mm-hmm. And then in a recent time, we heard the ISIS mm-hmm. creating a new Khalifat system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going back to original Islamic teaching, mm-hmm. Islamic fundamental teaching. I think that's the true Islam. Maybe offense so many people when I'm he- they're hearing this conversation, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, but Islam in the Western side is not Islam in the Eastern side. Okay. I mean, we need to take about, think about Islam in the birthplace. Islam has a ground of the ruling the government system. That's the Islam is. What I'm trying to say is they're all in a, within the every single Muslim, there is capability of this Muslim person will not have any relationship with a Christian, mm-hmm. will not give his daughter to you, he's mm-hmm. not give his son to you, mm-hmm. he's not gonna have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna have every single Muslim all around the world, even modern one. If you go to his house, I'm not offending anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the real, real life. People don't may believe it or they think it's very offensive, but that fact is this. The Islam knows you are not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Islam knows also a Muslim knows Muhammad is the last prophet. Mm-hmm. A Muslim knows you by title because you're not subjugated, submitted to Muhammad, you are not part of that hair of the mm. Muhammad promise. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you're infidel. Therefore, if you come to my house and drink this cup of water from my house, I'll bring you water, and you are not Muslim. I'm a devoted Muslim. I'm not going to say anything. But as soon as you leave, I'm going to wash that cup mm-hmm. because that cup needs to get washed because mm-hmm. you're not Muslim. Mm-hmm. This is enrooted in a Muslim, every single Muslim around the world. So it's a, it, it, it's. Uh, say it this way: It's a radically separatist, or separatistic way to look at the world. It is. I yeah. mean, it is. Muslim believe their final religion. I mean, if we're talking about a, a a religion, believe Muhammad is the last prophet. Quran is the final book. They don't believe your t- Bible. They don't. They, be, they believe they corrupted. They they believe this is a last religion. That's they they have the truth. So. From here, mm-hmm. th- all of our understanding is this. Now, a Muslim over here believe now we are we love all the people, all the religion. Well, I believe there are two different voices here and the Middle East. Okay, now that actually is part of why I'm raising this is because there may be what the historic connection is to Islam on the one hand, but then there are the way in which people have chosen to live out their Islamic faith. And, and that's not all the same. I, and I'll tell you why I'm saying this to you. We once had a, a group meet here that the State Department, our State Department, had um, arranged. We were the hosts. And, uh, and it was actually, to show you how interesting this was, at this meeting there were like seven or eight uh, people from – these were Iraqis. Um, they were from Iraq, and they were here to learn about religious pluralism. And the person that I was paired with on the American side by the State Department what taught Islam at SMU. Okay, so that, that already that already is communicating to you. And so so we had this very mixed group in. And when we came to discuss ISIS, 
This huge emotional reaction came from all the Iraqis present, and they wanted to communicate one thing. They are not Muslims as far as we are concerned. They couldn't have been more emphatic. And they wanted to make a distinction between whatever Islam they represented and what ISIS was. And so the, the signal that that sent to me was, um, when I find out that someone is a Muslim, I still need to ask and become aware of how do they view their Islamic commitment. You know, granted they're not Christians and they believe that Muhammad is one prophet and the Quran is their book. Um, but how engaged are they really with the Quran? You already said your mother prayed with things she didn't even understand. And uh, and and what does it mean to see this difference here? I mean, not not everyone who is Muslim is as radical in their approach to violence as ISIS is. Well, I, uh, Doctor Bach, I mean, is uh, I, 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 my heart? You mm-hmm. know, my heart as a as a former Muslim mm-hmm. and live in Islamic society, Islamic mm-hmm. government system. My heart is for Muslim. I love Muslim people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm on the, I, I mean, my passion is they understand m- my view is. Right. The fact is, uh, when they, when we saying, uh, when they saying ISIS is not true Muslim, I'm saying, have you ever read your Quran? Mm-hmm. Have you ever go back read the history? Mm-hmm. 1979, Doctor Bach, mm-hmm. when Islamic regime took on over in Iran, mm-hmm. in we're talking about 20th century, mm-hmm. okay? When they took over in Iran, they did exactly the same thing that ISIS did in Syria and Iraq. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? They destroy all the history of the kingdom of the Pahlavi in Iran. They try to influence everything mm-hmm. to say they were Tagut, I mean, demonic kingdom, and we are Islamic true uh, voice of the civilization. So the point that you're making here goes back to the point you are making earlier, which is that from an ideological and social and political point of view, Islam, no matter what form it takes is totalitarian in the way in which it structures the society. It is it, proven itself is a fact. I mean, yeah, it's a historical right. fact. Fair enough. Yeah. The unity in Islam on the one hand, and yet the diversity within Islam on the other, and they both coexist. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. There is a worldview that is shaping, that is similar, and that has roots, and that is... uh, 
that touches every area of life. It's totalitarian in that mm-hmm. sense. It's not just a religion. It's an ideology. It's an orientation. And it distinguishes very strongly between those who are Muslim and everybody else. Yes. Okay? Yes. And then on the other hand, there is the reality that the individual Muslim who participates in popular religion may or may not appreciate everything about the official Islamic faith, if I can say it that way. Your mother was praying prayers. She didn't understand. Yes. Um, she uh, and, and people apply their faith in a variety of ways, which means that when we engage at an individual level with someone coming out of a Muslim background, it's, it's important not to have kind of one just one portrait of a Muslim in mind. You know, is uh, well, going back to, I mean, we, um, at the bottom of our conversation, we're going to end up with the, how we can share right, gospel. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, eventually, that would be our, That's right. that would be ultimate goal we have. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. I agree with you in a sense of uh, we need to understand this person, mm-hmm. how uh, his understanding or her understanding about the Islam, right? And there is uh, so much uh, common ground between us mm-hmm. to share the gospel with the Muslim. Mm-hmm. They believe a God. They believe the God exists. They uh-huh. believe God created everything in the universe. Believe in a sovereign God. Uh, they, they, they believe that one. <laughs> they believe the mercy of God. They believe the justice of God. They they have so much common ground. But the thing is make us as a Christian uh, to work through that one, to understand the worldview right. of Islam. That's right. a very important part, Dr. Buck. That's, right. that's sometimes we get confused of this part because the, I, I believe, a, a, as I said, I believe Muslims as a general, mm-hmm. their mind, their worldview being shaped by, by tradition, Right. By Islamic teaching, by Quran from the fathers, mm-hmm. from the fathers. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is the worldview of this Muslim is this: this is a worldview. This is a final religion of the world. Right. And Islam is a final religion. Mm-hmm. We have a final voice. Mm-hmm. And Islam is uh, this only true religion, and Muhammad is the only true prophet. Now, if you today talk to a Muslim here in uh, studying in UTD or any other places, they mm-hmm. may say, no, we believe other religion. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a practical way, I mean, if, if our goal and our passion is share the gospel mm-hmm. and bring that person to a storyline of the Bible, mm-hmm. which is salvation, mm-hmm. And put them on that process, which mm-hmm. is say, God promised to Abraham, mm-hmm. which is through you, I will bless the entire nation. Mm-hmm. And then that promise being fulfilled in Christ, mm-hmm. in a cross of Calvary, mm-hmm. when when God fulfilled this promise. Mm-hmm. And we have in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, when every nation from every tribe come together. Mm-hmm. I think we need to put their Muslim mind of the storyline of the Bible, mm-hmm. because they do not have the, the storyline of the Bible. Right. Quran has a different storyline. Then that would impact the worldview. Mm-hmm. So, so my what I'm trying to say is, yes, the Muslim have a different perspective. They may be not having the mind like the radical Muslim have, mm-hmm. but the worldview need to be shaped through the biblical truth. Right. Biblical story. And it's line. a very, it's a very different worldview than the Bible, and it's a worldview that. Even though there are differences among Muslims, that core worldview is so different than the Bible. There's work to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. This, you know, our our, our ultimate our ultimate passion mm-hmm. as a Christian mm-hmm. is this: the God promise to restore mm-hmm. what is lost in after sin. That's right. 
the God promised this one, there would be a shalom again, mm-hmm. once again. Mm-hmm. And we need to work through the shalom. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, we need to bring every tribe, every language, every religion to this submission mm-hmm. through the grace and through, I would say, if, if you're reaching the Muslim, mm-hmm. can I say this one? Through the persecution and suffering, mm-hmm. and which is missing the big time in our evangelism. Mm-hmm. Our church is not so, in the, not so preaching this one, mm-hmm. the cost of the gospel, mm-hmm. for preaching the gospel to the Muslim. Mm-hmm. So therefore, our, des- our, our goal or ultimate goal should be this. I need to bring that Muslim to realize, tell him or tell her, mm-hmm. God loved him so much that Jesus died for his sin. You know, the okay, you're story. getting ahead yeah. of us now, so, let, so let, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's a good preview. Yeah. Okay. So let's let let's close one loop and then we can begin to transition. Real quickly, you came to you came to the United States in the 1990s. Okay. I'm I'm gonna try and 1998. save time. 1998. Yes. And you came to the Lord after you got here. I came, you know, is uh, short. I mean, my okay. story. I, my, I wrote my book uh, from from the Semnon to the Jerusalem. Okay. That book being published is in out there. My, that's my testimony. God is amazing. Uh-huh. That's God was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's a sovereign God. He's so gracious, God. So, God brought me to His truth mm-hmm. out of a a book from Nikos Kazantzakis. The person who doesn't believe God mm-hmm. is a Greek writer, mm-hmm. and uh, I pick up some notes from footnotes from the scripture, and I meditate on the word of God from Langston Hughes, mm-hmm. a American uh, African American poet. Mm-hmm. The poetry, a poem like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Reading that one and captivate my soul. I said, "Who is this Jesus?" So. God done a miracle things to my life to bring me to His truth through a non-believing God literatures. Mm-hmm. And when I read the Bible for first time in Farsi, in my language, mm-hmm. I said, "This is precious." This and is someone beautiful. gave you a Bible in Farsi, in Farsi here. after you got here. Yes. yes, for first time I read the Bible uh-huh. in Farsi. I was seeking for by the get oh, yeah. the Bible in Iran, but Bible is illegal. Yeah. You can't get the Bible in bookstore. Uh-huh. So here, for first time, I received the Bible in Farsi. I read it, and it didn't took too long. Yeah. You know, it was a it was a beautiful things. Okay, to, to hear this. So we so we've we've come we we've come to the point. Let's let's begin to transition now. Obviously, then the I would say let me I'll, I'll do it this way. The attraction of Islam to someone who comes out of an Islamic background would be the element of orderliness that it gives to life, mm-hmm. the respect for God that it shows, and the. Uh, and and there is, I think, probably, uh, uh, if for lack of a better description, a kind of ethnic element to it as well, um, that allows one to identify uh, in terms of their own personal background. That yes. those would be the points of attraction that would cause someone to adhere to Islam. Is there anything missing? I think uh, one of the things in this. Um, then I'm, I'm going back yeah. to this one because uh-huh. I believe. Um, based on a history called facts, uh-huh. um, the piety in Islam, the uh-huh. way they worship, dedicate themselves to God, mm-hmm. this is all belong, you know it, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're a scholar, right. this is all belong to Christianity. Right. This is all belong to Judo-Christian worship in an early time. Right, we lost right. it. Uh-huh. So if someone looking for beauty in Islam, uh-huh. they lost the beauty in Christianity. Uh-huh. They're missing to recognize how beautiful Jesus is, how beautiful his gospel is. Mm-hmm. Of course, there is Islam in the piety of the worship, 
mm-hmm. unity all together, uh, sitting in a in a ground to worship uh-huh. God and mm-hmm. dedicate one month to not eating. Mm-hmm. They're all belong to us. Mm-hmm. We missed this one. Mm-hmm. We lost it through the transition of the power and all okay, of this. Okay, let, let, let's develop that a second because I the, the when I look now, I'm looking at outside as as a Christian, and I look at Islam and I see it described and I see it laid out and I see the emphases that I see in the Quran. And the one thing that jumps out at me is that whereas the sovereignty of God is highlighted in Islam, even in, a, in an emphatic kind of way, the idea of a relationship with a covenant-keeping God is not there. Is not there. Is not there. And so this whole relational development, I mean, if you walk up to a Muslim and say, you need to have a relationship oh, with God, you just, you're done. You, oh, you right? Just, you just wait a minute. Yeah. That, that's why yeah. the word love yeah. is not existing in Quran. Yeah. You're not relating love to God. Yeah. You're just making so feminine. Yeah. That God is so powerful. Uh-huh. So that's a misconception of understanding what what kind of love we're talking about. Yeah. You know? Ex- what kind of mercy we're talking about. In the first word of Islam, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of God, of merciful God. Mm-hmm. So how do you apply this mercy? Mm-hmm. How do you understand this mercy? How do you ap- we apply that mercy and justice and the love of God because we received it, we apply it. Right. There is no receiving and applying because there is no relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, to me, that is the biggest difference at a the- besides the Trinity, which is not minor. Uh, but in terms of the doctrine of God and the way He relates to His creation, that is the biggest difference between Islam and Christianity. Absolutely. Okay. So, so the question becomes this. Let me, and I'm going to try and pull this together because we've been kind of roaming all over the place in, in dealing well, with this. Well, 20 minutes, which we is can't good. Catch I know. 20 it's minutes. hard. Exactly right. This is a deep you conversation. Yeah, that's right. Thousands yeah. <laughs> of years to develop and 20 minutes to solve I mean, not happening. May God have mercy on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, but, but here's, here's, I think, what we're, what we're trying to, to articulate, and that is that, that when you first encounter someone who's Muslim, probably the first and best thing to do is to make the effort to get to know them as a person because the relational development of the culture Perfect. is very, very important. Absolutely. And you just want, if they will share it with you, you want to hear the nature of their spiritual experience yes. and their spiritual beliefs. Yeah, Dr. Bach, they were, they were speaking to you. Yes. Well, you just need to good, be a good listener. Yeah. What I'm saying is we are human. Yes. We have a flesh. Right, right. We all struggles. Right. Muslim struggles, Christian struggles. Right. They don't have an answer. Yeah. They're confused. Right. That's my destiny. Yeah. You have an answer. You right. know the reason for it. Right. There is no concept of sin. Therefore, there is no logical understanding. That's a cause from the sin, uh-huh. the disruption of the shalom. So uh-huh. Um, what I'm saying is, if you are a, a, have a compassion about the lost, right. if you have a heart to bring everyone to the beauty of the gospel, uh-huh. beauty of the cross, mm-hmm. then you will a good listener, then you listen to that person, uh-huh. and the, sooner or later, you will hear the struggle. Yes. You will hear the daily basis problems. Right. Then this is you, because you love that person, you're connecting. Right. That wasn't in God's plan. Right. The God plan wasn't this. Yeah. God wasn't this plan. This is happened something in Genesis chapter 3. And guess what, my friend, my brother, Muhammad Ali, whatever yeah. the name is, you don't have this in Quran yeah. because there is no original scene in Quran. Yes. There is no chapter 3 in Quran of the Genesis we have. They don't have that one. Right. So therefore, they can relate it, all of the struggles. Okay. 
to the source of the, all now, the this problems. is the challenge of doing this kind of evangelism so so I the, the first step that you call listening I, I've made fancy in our digital age I call it getting a spiritual GPS on the person okay <laughs> well, yes, yeah yes, you're yes, trying to get yes, a reading absolutely. of what drives them in life yes and of then course. and then having done that you're looking for those places where the opportunity to speak the gospel into that Amen. space exists. Amen. You know, the, when when you speak into the Spirit, mm -hmm. when your goal is give glorify to Christ, mm -hmm. not to your denomination, right? Well, the Spirit will tell you where is the moment yeah. to glorify Him. Mm -hmm. That's the problem we have with confusing yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you have the passion, I believe the Spirit will guide you the right place, right moment to mm -hmm. say, Click that person. Mm -hmm. This is what, what is happening to you. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't like to pray with that person? Let me pray. Let's pray together. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the things we need to work on that one as far as our our mind to mm -hmm. how we can approach uh, Muslim backgrounds. So we've you've and you've already, we've already begun to suggest kind of where the where the hurdles are, the things that 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 don't exist in Islam that do exist in Christianity that a person has to kind of work their way towards. Mm -hmm. I mean, so obviously we've got. We've got a relational God who keeps covenant. Okay, you've talked about the fact that there is no concept of original sin, so there's no idea of a of a separation from God. Okay, okay, which is a challenge for in relationship to the gospel. It's a real challenge. It is. And then yeah. add on top of that, what a Christian who the Christian believes Jesus Christ to be. Wow. Okay, wow. son of God. Wow. All right, which is an offense to most Muslims. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so that's a that's that's a hill to climb. It is. Yeah. But guess what? You know, I, I believe um, I believe every single Muslim, every single Muslim. The, the asking the question. I mean, we have a, that challenging question every single human has, right. no matter who you are, right. from what, what nation you are. You're seeking for a truth, for the reason you will be. What is my destiny? Why am I here? Why I'm here? Yeah. Who doesn't ask that question? Right, I right. asked my, that question from my, when I was 13 years old. That's yeah. God who put this within our soul. Right. We're longing for to go back to our creator. Mm -hmm. I think that's the area we need to connect this person mm -hmm. to a storyline of the Bible. Mm -hmm. A storyline of the Bible, there is a creation. There is a fall, there is a redemption, there is a restoration. We need to align the Muslim friends mm -hmm. with to this storyline of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we are missing sometimes, Dr. Mm -hmm. Bach, we are missing to share the entire story of the Bible right. to our Muslim friends. Okay, now let, let me, let me, let's go at this because this is important. And it seems to me that one of the points of contact is to, is to say to the person, and I actually don't know the answer to this question, which is why I'm asking it. In, obviously, in Genesis, the human being is seen as being made in the image of God. We don't have that point in Quran. So, so the the relational element is is the very beginning. Is at the very beginning, and it's missing in Islam. You, yes. So you have to introduce the possibility of thinking about God differently. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And true, not only true, you know, is is goes is. Uh, I mean, it starts from you as a Christian. You right. Know, is we just not going to put this information in the mind of that person? Right. You know? Right. Is is it's a, how I'm relating to them as a person that's, that's very right. important. You know yeah. how you want to relate the story of the Bible to that person. Right. You know what is it? What is the ultimate goal of this conversation? Right. 
And then you as a Christian, I as a Christian, need to live according to what I'm saying. Right, right. You know, you all comes in harmony. Right. All should work together hand to hand. Right. To bring that person to the promise of God to the Abraham, Genesis 12 and 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. This, is this, is this a, it's not just one piece. Right. It's everything needs to fit together. And and the and the reason it has to, if I can say it this way, the re, one of the reasons it has to be holistic, it has to cover all these bases, is because in the worldview of Islam, religion covers all of life. Yes. And so from that sense, it's coherent for a Muslim to see a coherent life. Yes. Yes. They they they're seeking for it. That's I mean, right. they are they are longing for. They are. I mean, they are human. The God put in their their soul. I mean, they are looking for a good relationship. A prosperous life, a peaceful land, a good government, mm-hmm. and they're all seeking for the same thing as you and I were looking for. Mm-hmm. And they are—they don't have that one. They're mm-hmm. a struggle with this one. Mm-hmm. A Muslim persecuted the Muslim. Mm-hmm. The ISIS, the, when when entered to the Syrian Aleppo, they persecuted Christian and Muslim all together. Mm-hmm. The refugees, not just were the Muslim, not Christian, only Muslim too. Sure. So Muslim were confused. What right. is hap- this is a moment. See the 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 place that wasn't supposed to happen, right? No. So this yes, a, it's a beauty. Is this one? Yeah. The mystery, Doctor yeah. Bach. I uh-huh. call it mystery. Uh-huh. When we are not working, God is working. Uh-huh. When we are desperate to find a solution to reach out to the Muslim, God bring a cause mm-hmm. because of the event. Mm-hmm. Create the ISIS. God let this group is become existent. Everything has happened because of His will. Mm-hmm. I believe that the opportunity came. God gave us this opportunity to share the gospel, to share the gospel with a Muslim refugee, just like a person called Muhammad when I met him in as a refugee camp. He said, if this is a f- God of my father, I'm not going to follow I don't want anything it. to do with it. I don't want to do anything Yeah, I, I, I'm very familiar with that. Uh, I, I was in Germany a little over a year ago in Cologne. Cologne in Germany, it's Cologne in, in English. I'm preaching at a Presbyterian church, but they had me come to a special service. I'm being translated into Farsi. It's 300 refugees. They are uh, they are led by a pastor who formerly was a goalie on the Iran national soccer team, who left Iran and has become a Christian and become a pastor of this group, and and their their um, disaffection with Islam as they had experienced it has left them completely open to the gospel, and they are coming to faith literally every week hmm. because yeah. of because of um, what they have left behind. I mean. And uh, so, uh, so, you know, so I, I, I look at that and I go, that's, that's interesting. You know, you may meet Muslims who actually are searching. They are. They are they're confused. Mm-hmm. So what new uprising in Iran just happened a couple mm-hmm. months ago. So you, if you are observing well what's happening on that chaos mm-hmm. who are in the street mm-hmm. you see a conflict mm-hmm. between fathers mm-hmm. and the children mm-hmm. these are conflict between two generations mm-hmm. the children says to the fathers wrong choice mm-hmm. we're not going to follow what you did mm-hmm. because what we're going through throughout these years mm-hmm. of the ruling over the supremacy mm-hmm. of islam and ruling over us taking us the freedom and everything from us we don't fo- we don't want to follow your god which you worshiped which you confused which you don't know 
I think that's the conflict in in one point. I mean, we are Dr. Bach, We are obligated mm-hmm. to the gospel mm-hmm. because if we're sitting over here, the God will find a way, purpose to reach out mm-hmm. to the lost. Mm-hmm. We need to be pioneer. We need to be listening to the voices, listening to events God causes in around the world, in the Middle East, here, all around the world, and be in, let God move us in front. He is leading us to bring this confused nation, confused generation to the truth of the gospel. Okay, now that we've solved all this, let me go no, with what we, well, <laughs> we didn't solve anything. We were just talking about let, it. Let me, let me ask you one more question. It's, uh, I think it's the last question we have time for. Yeah. Obviously, we've suggested that Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ, the idea that he's the Son of God, is very difficult for a Muslim. What suggestions do you have for us about how to talk about him? You know, is uh, Jesus who, um, in the Quran, they believe Jesus. They believe Jesus as you. If you not, you're not Muslim. If you don't believe Jesus, basically, right. Um, the Jesus who is supreme mm-hmm. in his power, mm-hmm. who brings the relationship of the lost person mm-hmm. who is in a dark world mm-hmm. and confused, we need to introduce this Jesus in a, again, I'm going back again because it's a very right. important. Right. Because I cannot reach the Muslim, I cannot share the gospel with Muslim and do not preach and teach the persecution because of the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's not the gospel and that's not the Jesus we're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. Well, how we can preach to Jesus, how we can introduce the Jesus to the Muslim about the love and grace of God mm-hmm. and let this person know what the costly is to follow this Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because we believe with this, this is, the mistake we're doing is today, Dr. Bach, in the Middle East area, we preaching the gospel without the price a Muslim converted from Islam need to pay for the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think when we understand this one, because the beauty of the Jesus, beauty of the gospel, how priceless is a Muslim, you, I mean, you don't have to tell that person, go die for Jesus. Yeah. He will do it or yeah. she will do it because of the, when, he's, when he or she sees a relationship with Christ, know the God who created him, what the God has planned for him in, a, in eternity, and he will give everything for this gospel and for this Lord. So uh, and, and so what you're saying is is that if you understand what it is that – what the story of the Bible is in terms of what it costs Jesus to bring us to himself, we need to be prepared to walk the same path. Amen. Okay. If we preach this one and uh-huh. teach this one, you will captivate the heart and mind of the Muslim. We're not injecting – Because they understand suffering. That's it. Yeah. We, we're not injecting the Bible. We're, not, we're just talking about their heart and their soul because they're lost, they're confused, they're looking for the answer. And what answer we're given to them? This is a very important mm. mission we have. Okay. Well, Paul Hussein, it has been a real pleasure a, I've been blessed talk by about sitting this. with you. Yeah, yeah. It's a great and uh, I think you've really given us insight, not just into Islam, but how to think about sharing with Muslims, and that's exactly what we were hoping to do. So I appreciate you taking the time it's to be blessing. with us. And we appreciate you being a part of the table, and we hope you found this uh, not just fascinating, but instructive, and you ho- we hope you'll be uh, join us again soon. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. 
The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.